Hello and welcome to a bonus Stadio podcast on Ringer FC. I'm Mesut Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. And for the first time in 30 years, we can say that Liverpool are champions. The beautiful thing about Liverpool winning this league this way, I mean, don't, it's, it's nice to win in any form, but this really felt like a coronation. This mm-hmm. was a procession. There was no sense of, oh, they got this decision, that decision. Oh, they got a lucky, you know, that ref or that pundit or that whatever is always pro Liverpool. This was like such an unadulterated juggernaut of a title victory that it's actually supremely cathartic. And hopefully for a lot of the long suffering fans, it will just sweep away a lot of the pain. I mean, I, I wrote a comment on Facebook just congratulating Liverpool and already like two comments. The second one for my friend, uh, Elaine Penrow, shout out to Elaine. I used to work with her. Elaine was like, I'm in tears. I'm in absolute tears. And that, that to me is 30 years, dude. It's three quarters of my life. That's wild. That's like, this feels like such a refreshing title win in a way. You know how like the Leicester thing was like a bit of a fairy tale. Yeah. And I know that that's obviously going to be super hard to match on any level, but it kind of is for different reasons, I think, because yeah, Liverpool are a huge club, but they've really, really been through it over the last 20 to 30 years yeah. in terms of ups and downs, near misses, getting overtaken by Manchester United to such a degree when they were out of sight the last time they won a league. Mm, yeah, I mean, if you thought 30 years after the last time Liverpool won a title that Manchester United would have had 20 titles by then and Liverpool wouldn't have won it in 30 years. Unthinkable. There's such a combination of everything that has gone into this title win. I don't know. It feels a little bit different, I think. I don't know if you feel the same, but this feels like a little bit of a different Premier League title win you know, maybe taking Leicester out of it for a while. I think it's because it's the most complete. The thing about Liverpool that I found really remarkable was they went away and solved every single problem. Mm. It reminded me of almost the Germany team that won the 2014 World Cup where Germany basically could beat you anyway. They could beat you with set pieces. They could beat you on the break. They could beat you if you sat deep against them. And even in the final where, you know, Christoph Kramer gets injured in the warm-up, I think Sami Kadira gets injured and they keep adjusting and they just kept finding new ways to win. And by the time, I think Man City was so, so good last year that they forced Liverpool to go away and just work on every small detail. And I was talking to Neil Atkinson at Norwich Harrington on Twitter uh, from the Anfield Rap, who's a great follow and he'll be out somewhere tonight, I'm sure, at least celebrating somewhere. And Neil made an amazing point about Klopp. He said, his rotation of players is absolutely astonishing. Like we don't see that because I don't watch Liverpool every week. So I don't Mm -hmm. see all the nuances of the subs that he makes, but he was just saying Klopp's ability to bring players in and out of a squad and a team perfectly is such a big part of this win. Like I was looking at the kind of the goal scoring stats, the assist stats, this squad, and it's so balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, Van Dijk got four goals in the league. Like you've just got goals everywhere. Oxlade Chamberlain, three goals in um, 13 starts and 10 subs, you know, just goals everywhere, assists everywhere, everyone contributing. And it's one of those squads, I think, where every player is going to have a moment. Even if it was coming on for 15 minutes and pressing at the end of a game, they'll have a moment to take away from this. Like everyone earned this title. So in that sense, it is, it is, it is a bit of a throwback. It's maybe a throwback to a kind of peak Arsenal title or a peak United title where, you know, there's Arsenal squads where everyone did something and there's United titles where everyone did something. This is, this is one of those. It's a complete squad victory, I think, which is why it's quite refreshing, I feel. Yeah, 100%. And I think improving on last season, 
you know, this Liverpool side are a better side this season, I think, than they were last season. Yeah. Especially in the league. A number of sides would have gone as far as they did last season, pushed Man City that hard and come that close and felt super deflated and would have been like, this was our chance. You know, to get 97 points and finish second after losing one game, how do you return from that mentally? How do you go that far, be that amazing, finish 25 points clear of the next place team, still not win the league, yeah. win the European Cup, and then return the following season with the motivation to then push on and win the league in this way? Seven games to go, played 31, won 28, drawn two, lost one. 86 points. So this side could finish on 107 points. Those are like football manager numbers. Mm -hmm. That's like football manager numbers when you're like 20 seasons in and you've perfected your entire... I mean, this is actually basically Klopp. Klopp has basically become the football manager computer game version of himself. He has maximised every aspect. And can I tell you what I think happened there? I think that Klopp, after that final, Champions League final, I think he got to work Mm. like the next day. And like, now we're going to get the league. Oh, I don't know, man. Did you see him singing on the way home? I don't think he got to work like straight away. But I just remember that story that when Jerry Rice, when the San Francisco 49ers won a Super Bowl, and then like days later, they were out and Jerry Rice was out Mm. in the car park running, running routes and drills. And I'm like, that thing about that relentlessness, obviously, I mean, Klopp probably had a couple of drinks, but that relentlessness and attention to detail, like Liverpool didn't actually score that many goals this year. Like compared to their, if you look how many games they won in the league, they averaged like, you know, two and a half goals or two and a bit goals a game, like a respectable amount. But what was so incredible this year was the way that they played within themselves. Like if you look at like previous Liverpool teams that have been really good and come close, they have blown teams away. But Liverpool this year were like constantly in fourth gear. In a really, mm. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a really impressive way, as in like Klopp was almost like, we're not going to go all in and just blow teams away. We're going to like suffocate them. Does that mean yeah. like, we're going to absolutely suffocate them? So now actually this, if you look at, if you compare this Liverpool title victory, I think this is like Bob Paisley type numbers. Oh, for real? This is like yeah. Bob Paisley, but Bob Paisley would basically would be so perfectly balanced. They wouldn't necessarily score like a hundred league goals. They get like 80, but they concede like, 20. This is like early 80s Liverpool. With the wealth around the Premier League and how deep that wealth goes now Mm. compared to what it used to be 5, 10, 15 years ago. And as we've touched on before, the depth of coaching in the Premier League being probably as deep as it's ever been. And to spend money in a really effective way and sell really well. Right. You know, this isn't kind of like some oligarch vibes. No. Obviously Liverpool are a huge, huge club, a global club, but this just felt like a gradual progression over years. And it started with Klopp arriving because despite them getting close to winning the league before, it never felt like it was anything that could potentially turn into, not I wouldn't say a dynastical, but like a, a, a sustained period of being first or second. Yeah. I just think everyone at Liverpool just deserves a huge amount of credit because I think it was the right guy for the right club. And it shows, I think, how... How do I phrase this? Let me think. It's more of a like... I mean, I can't think of any other club in the world at the moment that has a more perfect relationship or balance in terms of club, fans, manager, and players. I'd include players in that as well. 
where everyone is pulling in the same direction. I mean, in terms of success, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just can't think of one. I mean, maybe if you if you look at a club that's got like an alignment of values, and you could look at like maybe Union Berlin, for example, in terms of like everyone's on the same page with that. Like people are happy. You know what I mean? But in terms of a club that's adding success to that, yeah, and that's maximizing its resources, arguably Union did. But yeah, I think Liverpool are just out by themselves. You know, they're talking basketball about the front office you know, and baseball, that the front office being aligned with the kind of the, the on-pitch performance. And it's funny because you look at Liverpool and there's the obvious parallel with the Boston Red Sox, same owners, that, you know, Henry and that lot, and how like the Boston Red Sox basically became a professional organisation off the field first and then brought it mm. to the pitch. And I think Liverpool have done that, like just the kind of the patient work, the recruitment. And if you contrast that with, you know, Barcelona, you know, Barcelona really proving that you can have huge amounts of money and obviously close to home, Manchester United, you can spend huge amounts of money on football and it can end up as a disaster or, you know, a mediocrity in United's case, I would say a disaster is a bit strong considering they're not broke or anything. And it's not just the kind of the expenditures. You know, what I love about this league is that, you know, we say it's a coaches league and you look at like Andrew Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, how many other managers in world football would have brought that out of those players outstanding talents but there are many other managers in this world we won't name them who would just go out and buy a junior Firpo or a Nelson Semedo just you know just just to like pluck someone who was kind of more fully formed than Andy Robertson but Klopp's ability I mean I've always it's the funny thing for all the money that Klopp has spent his ability to improve players puts him almost in a league of his own there's almost no mm. other coach in world football, you know, who, who can turn up at a club and be like, what have I got to work with? And be like, take that. Like, I think actually we mentioned Klopp before, and, you know, obviously about being a manager that could come in and make a change. Klopp is one of the few, few managers in the world that could go into any club, whatever pieces he had, and substantially improve them. Yeah, definitely. It's just that good. It's just that good. We need to take a quick break and then we'll be back. All right, we're back from the break and I want to shout out the ringer's own Roger Sherman. It says, Premier League titles, LeBron won, MJ nil. Sorry, but championships matter in the GOAT discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine MJ sitting in summer going, it became personal to me. <laughs> it's like tomorrow we're going to see major Michael Jordan investment in Chelsea. Oh my God, yeah. 40% stake. Let's carry on with Klopp a little bit because yeah. he is a, I think a very special manager and someone who we both have admired for over a decade now. Yeah, absolutely. He was someone that we both desperately wanted to take over at our football clubs that we support. Yeah. This is a really good example of why. There's something special about Liverpool that I think Klopp really tapped into, and I think a lot of it mirrors his experience and his relationships at Dortmund. Yeah. The clubs are very similar. You've just seen how good he is at like incremental improvement when he really, really gets into a project over a sustained amount of time. What's he been there now? Five years coming up, he's taken Liverpool to another Champions League, their first Premier League title, their first league title in 30 years. And I just think he deserves a huge amount of credit, Jurgen Klopp, because Klopp is a really unique character, I think, in terms of 
All right, so you know how you like playing video games, right? And say you pick a character and all of the characters have varying attributes. So no one's ever like maximum on everything. I think if you look around the league, and I would even put Pep in this to a certain degree, I don't think anyone is as close to being full on so many different attributes as he is. From a technical level, he's a genius. From a game management point of view, I think he's brilliant. But also... Now how some of these guys who build that kind of cult status tend to let it really be about them a lot of the time. And I remember watching an interview with him where he was talking about leadership and he was saying, you know, you can't walk into the room and think you know the best about everything. He's like, I like surrounding myself with experts. I can't know everything. I'm not going to be right all the time. And I just thought, he means this. You know, it's not like some managerial conference or something like that. It's like, no, he really genuinely means this. And I think that he marries up the two worlds of being someone who is a leader on an emotional level and someone who is a leader on a you know a tactical level more so than I think any other manager in world football. I would agree. And I think that he, he doesn't have the temperamental, you know, you look at Pep and Klopp doesn't have easily identifiable flaws. And I think the reason why Liverpool losing to Atleti was so painful to him was it's one of the very few games I've actually seen him be outcoached. I've never, mm. it's the only time in three years I've seen Klopp out coached like three years across all tournaments, all tournaments. And also Atleti are just like, that, that's hand-to-hand knife fighting in an alleyway. And there's almost no team world football that wins. <laughs> he's actually like, weirdly enough, you look at like Novak Djokovic playing tennis. Or not now. Well, yeah, he's quarantining. Yeah, exactly. Well, so yeah. So like Klopp is like Novak Djokovic without the kind of questionable attitudes towards modern medicine. <laughs> Klopp is like Djokovic in the sense that he just has mastered all the fundamentals. All that, you know, if, even look, look at the Champions League final defeat against um, Real Madrid when Liverpool lose 3-1. Before Salah's injury, the first 15 minutes, Liverpool looked outstanding against a very, very yeah. good Madrid team and Klopp's tactics were outstanding. You look at the 2013 Champions League final and he doesn't get Goetze. So having to play without Goetze, and Dortmund is still brilliant until Xavi Martinez kind of slowly intervenes in the centre circle. Like, they should have won that game. They should have won. You know, even when Klopp has lost, he's made the other team really, really, really work. And it was just a question, I think we said before, of Klopp getting the right backing. And he's done it. And there's, there's really no one, you know, there's no one really like him. And when Klopp went to Liverpool, I think the greatest compliment, and I don't think my friend Greg will mind me saying this, the greatest compliment to Klopp's brilliance was that when Klopp went to Liverpool, Greg and I were like, it's done. Yeah, I was the same. We knew. That was the first time I started to really fear Liverpool or their potential for a long time as an Arsenal fan. We were yeah, like, whoever was, gets yeah. him, whoever gets him. It's like being a criminal in Gotham. <laughs> it's just like, you never know when you're going to get got, you get, but get, you're going to get got. But I think other managers knew that. I think other clubs and other managers saw that appointment and just thought, yikes. The only other time I felt a sense of yikes like that in relation to football, weirdly enough, was when Michael Essien was at Lyon and United were fighting for a signature at Chelsea. Mm. And I said to my friend, wherever Essien goes, he will define midfield play for a generation, like for the next five, 10 years. Like, and when, when Chelsea got him from, 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 from Lyon, I was like, we're in so much trouble. We're in, and, we, mm. and we were. Like, I, I honestly think if, if, if Chelsea had won that third straight championship in 06, 07, we might have lost Ferguson or whatever, but but Chelsea looked like they were going to win five in a row. Like that's how good Essien mm. was. And I think Klopp had the Essien effect on the league. Like 
anywhere he went, anywhere he went, he was going to make his mark. If it was Arsenal, he would have won something by now with you. No question. I don't have any doubt about that. If it was United and Klopp had succeeded Ferguson, yeah, I think United they would have bought, won. They would have bought Thiago, yeah. they would have bought Tony Cruz, they would have just carried on winning. They would have carried on because, I mean, look at the pieces he would have had to work with. So really just a huge congratulations to Liverpool and as you said on Twitter to Klopp as well because it's weird, it's such an individual triumph because Klopp's mark is on this team. But to his credit, it's also such a collective triumph. Like where you've seen like Mourinho winning a title with Chelsea and it's like it's a Mourinho title. This is like the city's title. Mm. This is like a community title. So yeah, like, and I, I know I'm pouring the praise on, but I think, I think you have to. I think um, you win the league title in the right way. Only those fans who are the most tribal, I think, would have a real lingering resentment. I think in their private moments, they've got to look at this. You know, as a football fan, that's how you win a title. They're probably going to win another one soon. Yeah, yeah. And I'm excited to watch the Manchester United, Liverpool, Twitter warfare break out over the next couple of years while sat there like baby Yoda, just having a little sip. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not here for that at all. In I the boarding. I, I'm lucky just, because... <laughs> just me watching Liverpool, Manchester United, Twitter. Because that's going to be brutal. I mean, I, I'm lucky because I think that I fully savoured United's joy. I mean, to be honest, that, that period of United being successful was like a 20 year gap year. It was completely abnormal. And the good thing was I acknowledged it as such at the time. I was like, this is a fever dream. Mm. This is not normal. Like to support United, I was always like, this is not real football. This is like candy floss. This is like having candy floss for breakfast every day. And so when we've returned to a normal level, which is basically, a, you know, most clubs, most big clubs in, in these days are dysfunctional. We're a normal, yeah, if you think about it, most big clubs right now are dysfunctional. That's just normal. So when I look at Liverpool, I'm like, enjoy it because I enjoyed nectar for so long as a football fan that what we're experiencing now is cold porridge, but that's cold porridge is normal for most fans. It's heating up though. <laughs> Actually, yeah, we look a little bit of honey in there. Yeah, so the third goal that United got against Sheffield United, I was like, yeah, that's us. What I'm interested in, do you know what I'm interested in now? This has put people on notice and that's good. Like, you know, when Kendrick dropped an album, when Kendrick dropped an album, he was like, you rappers have got, till whenever this April the 7th to get your shit together. It's like that. This is like Kendrick has dropped and it's like now rappers are scrambling. Rappers, football teams are scrambling like, but I'm kind of liking that. I like that. It's shaking the game up. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you want to talk about the game itself? Because it was kind of wild. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Quickly. So Chelsea beat Manchester City 2-1 in, I think probably the most entertaining game behind closed doors I've ever seen so far. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Dortmund Bayern was, yeah, no, this was more entertaining. More entertaining. No, I think in terms of a pure, this was extremely chaotic. Actually, also, there was true. some really good football played. That's true. It's very chaotic. Yeah. Fernandinho got sent off for the slyest handball and he knew it straight away. <laughs> and after saying that Fernandinho could play in 10 positions on the last podcast, I then tweeted, turns out he can play 11. <laughs> he can indeed, yeah. Chelsea looked good. They could have been out of sight as well. Pulisic had that one cleared off the line by Carl Walker, which was an amazing clearance. Um, but a big win. That's actually, for Chelsea as well, that is a really, really big win because it pulls them five points clear of Manchester United now in fourth. Pulisic And just a point behind yeah, Leicester. He's such a good player. I love, I don't, look, I've said this many times before. I still don't get the decision to let him go so lightly. I don't get it. Like, I will never get it. I think he, you know, 
it's funny because a lot of American fans will be like, oh, how's he doing? What do you think? And I was like, I always take it back to this time when Pulisic plays for Dortmund in the Champions League against Real Madrid. And he comes on about 25 minutes to go and his decision-making blew me away. It actually reminded me of the time when Oxlade-Chamberlain made his first appearance for Arsenal. I saw him in the Champions League and I was like, he's unreal. And just the speed of thought was what got me. And Pulisic, the thing about him is speed of thought. He can play as a wide forward, as an eight. He controls the ball perfectly with either foot on the run at mm. high speed. I mean, it's just, I don't know how any, I don't know, I'm sorry, I don't know how any elite team looks at a guy like Pulisic and thinks, oh, I'm not going to pay 60 million for that guy. His goal was everything that he is. And he, it was funny because his goal was a microcosm of everything that was brilliant about Chelsea and everything that's been bad about City. City's flaws have been so clear defensively for over a year. Yeah, I mean, I remember you saying on a very early episode of Stadio, it's just, just go straight at him, straight through the middle, and just attack the centre-backs because that's where they're weak. And that's where they've been undone on numerous occasions this season. Norwich, away, they've lost, prime example. They've lost eight games and they've still got a few to go. I mean, they've lost eight. I mean, to be fair, everyone apart from Liverpool has lost a lot of games. True. The side who's won the next least amount of games in Liverpool is Wolves with six games. Yeah. You know, City have lost eight, Leicester have lost eight, Chelsea have lost nine, United have lost eight, Spurs have lost 10. A whole lot of catfish in that league. It's a big catfish league. It is league. a big catfish league. Like a lot of those teams are in transition. Hashtag greatest league in the world, man. I just think this was a huge victory for Frank Lampard because he's coached Chelsea really well at, at times this year. And the reinforcements he's going to make, I mean, you bring in Werner, Ziyech and potentially Kai Havertz. And there's talk that Havertz, basically, if Bayer Leverkusen don't make the Champions League, there's talk that Chelsea would go pretty hard after Havertz. And that's a frightening prospect. I don't know where you play yeah, them. I don't know where you play them all, but... I don't like that, if I'm being honest. I don't like that for, for either, personally. But I don't like it. If I'm honest, I don't like it either. I'd rather Kai Havertz did another year at Leverkusen. Yeah. That's yeah. my preference. That's fair. That's but very fair. I always say that about all the Bundesliga boys. I want them all to stay there. Yeah. Just quickly elsewhere, Arsenal won away at Southampton, a place they don't historically do that well. Mm. Arteta's first away victory as Arsenal manager. They won the game 2-0. It was kind of more comfortable in the end than it looked, but this is kind of a bit of a nothing game, really. I don't think Arsenal are going to qualify. They're still six points off European qualification in the league. Southampton are probably not going to go down. They're 10 points clear of the relegation spots. This was very much a mid-table <laughs> approaching the end of the season clash like that's not a, it's just it is what it is Arsenal yeah. Arsenal started the day in 11th so it's all about Liverpool tonight really should we get out of here because this is a bonus episode yeah let's we've, do it. we've rambled on a little bit let's ah. go we need to go to sleep that's true late here congratulations Liverpool yes congratulations Liverpool fans enjoy it I won't tell you not to drink too much because I suspect that in some cases that it's may too late it'll yeah, be too late by like, the time they hit get off the deep end shout out to cash and carries across Liverpool in particular just taking... Oh, they're getting cleaned out. Wow, wow, wow. Shout out, shout out. All right, we're not going to play out on any bonus music. You just get the old-fashioned theme tune. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Stadio, at Okwonga, at Ryan Hun, on Instagram, Stadio Football. Our website is stadio.football. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. And we'll be back on Monday. Have a good weekend. Stay safe and well. Congratulations, Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs>